Yeah, 12 minutes past 8 this evening. Towards the end of 2020, Stats SA released the General Household Survey. The survey explores the socio-economic effects of service delivery in South Africa. Many communities are characterized by dire socio-economic conditions, such as poor housing, inability to access health care, the lack of amenities like water and electricity. This particular edition of the survey shows percentage points that were not yet affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. This analysis, therefore, comes as the country is only months away from local government elections. The Study of Poverty and Inequality Institute has generated an analysis of the survey to show how the dynamics of the household have responded to the rising levels of unemployment and poverty. Further, this analysis gives a feminist perspective and looks at the role that women play in social reproduction, acknowledging that gender equality is of paramount importance to building a fairer and more progressive post-COVID-19 economy. On the line is one of their researchers, Ms. Danita, Danita Higgs, Hingston, I beg your pardon. Let me start again. Ms. Danita Hingston, researcher, studies in poverty and inequality institute. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening, Senzo. Thanks for having me and good evening to the listeners. Songhezo, you mean, right? Songhezo, I yes. apologize for that. I get. Tell me, where does this come from? Songhezo and Senzo. My goodness. It's, it's one of the <laughs> interesting socio studies that I need to conduct for myself. I don't know how many times that has come through. But anyway, nice way for us to introduce tongue. each other. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Quick question, please, before we get into the nitty gritties. What, what, what is social reproduction? Just to find that so that we all understand what it is we're talking about. Okay, social reproduction looks at how society reproduces itself. When we look at reproduction, we just think of it in the biological sense. You know, um, a woman gives birth and then um, it's reproducing the generation. But when you look at the, it takes more than just giving birth to a human to, you know, reproduce a generation. Um, Also caring for um, human beings, the households, the society, from when, you know, a person is born, and even as they develop into, um, you know, a fully grown adult, um, we all have our needs in terms of shelter, um, food, clothing, and women disproportionately bear that burden of socially reproducing um, our society in terms of the, the care work needs. Hence, we call it social reproduction. And society depends on the um, the reproduction of, you know, fully functioning workers um, um, who will supply the the workforce. So let's talk now the importance of that in understanding now what South African households are experiencing in the context of the latest statistics. In other words, the health, the socio-economic health of South African homes, especially with the slant towards the role of women. What can you, as a bird's eye perspective, tell us? A lot of it, of course, is not going to be particularly not too new, given the fact that I think the ravages of the past year have been felt by all and sundry. But specifically now, what are we talking about when we talk about the General Household Survey for 2019? Okay, so just to break it down, when we look at the gender dynamics, first of all, um, in most South African households, um, the the breadwinner or the provider, it's usually um, a female. So we have largely female-headed households and households that where children live with the fathers 
um, it's between, on average, 4%. So as a result of that, when we look at now the COVID-19 pandemic, majority of the job losses last year, we lost 3 million people lost jobs. Of that 3 million, um, 2 million were women. Now, if you look at it this way, now, these women have lost jobs but they're still expected to take on their care work responsibilities in terms of meeting the needs of their children as well as other household members. And on top of that, people are residing in communities where, you know, socioeconomic services are, are lacking or under par. And as a result of this, women are in a position where they have to subsidize, you know, the role of government in of providing public services. So um, just to give an example, um, households should have access to clean and safe running water, but in many communities, that is not the case. And you find that during lockdown, women had to you know, trek for kilometers just to access clean water sources to ensure that um, the household has access to water, obviously, to wash hands, to cook, for cleaning purposes. And then also for sanitation purposes. So um, I say all this to say mm. um, when we look at these, the household dynamics in terms of the gender, the gender roles, and then the lacking in terms of the social services, um, we have um, an insurmountable challenge ahead of us in our post-COVID-19 recovery um, trajectory. You know, you mentioned some of the critical indicators in relation to the health of a household, access to electricity. This is a rollout program in earnest from the RDP days of President Mandela, 94. Water, same thing, housing equally and access to healthcare services and, of course, education. When you talk about the fact that we have an insurmountable challenge as it relates to that, where can we as South Africans pinpoint as what has now caused this insurmountable challenge? What are the issues that create this bottleneck such that the outcomes that are the promise of the Constitution are the promise of taxpayers working and earning an honest living and paying their taxes on time and having the kinds of legitimate expectations from a government to meet these challenges, not only not meeting them, but leaving them almost with an insurmountable challenge, as you say. Where, where's the problem? Um, I think, you know, where we kind of going wrong is lacking, okay, I'll say two things. One, lacking inclusive, um, inclusiveness when we are planning. And even the di- there's like limited social dialogue, you know, our policymakers and even our local councillors, and leaders, you know, they go ahead and make decisions and budget allocations without consulting the people at, you know, quote unquote, at the bottom, you know, the people who are facing these dire socioeconomic conditions. So as a result of this, not enough, like, not enough money is being invested to where it is seriously needed. And moreover, there's the slack of, you know, poor, I would, we, I don't know how to say this properly, but just in terms of our governance, you know, we need to we need to cultivate a caliber of people who are ethical. And I think that's one of our challenges, you know, ethical governance, people that are going to go there and make meaningful change. You know, meaningful change has become such a buzzword, but the change we need to see is the ethical change. 
people who are accountable of public funds and are transparent in how public funds are used to ensure that we have adequate service delivery. You know, uh, can we just break down a couple of these issues that we are talking about? Because sometimes we often get lost in the high-level detail, but sometimes some of the challenges really can be met, and you used a very critical word, with proper planning and with that implementation. And for those who want to participate in the conversation, of course, I do remind you to call us on Johannesburg, 714-2006. That's 11 714-2006. You're more than welcome, of course, to drop voice notes. Under a minute, no background noise or you being in the toilet or dogs licking your legs or anything like that. Just keep it straight, simple, to the point. Under a minute, we will play it. Let's talk about, for instance, the challenges this country faces with water. One might argue that some of these challenges really are man-made or self-made or self-imposed. The poor maintenance of infrastructure the fact that there are approvals for developments without proper drainage systems in place or stormwater drain collection systems. All you need to do just here in Johannesburg, it's raining now, there are floods in areas where you don't see why there should in the first place be floods. There should be drains. That water should be collected at a central place that can then be used for times where we don't have water for secondary purposes, grey water, so to speak. So when we talk about for the challenges around water, do we even have the correct science behind it all such that we can progressively meet these challenges that we're experiencing right now? Because on the evidence of everything that you have put before us in this report, things are getting worse as opposed to be getting better. Mm, exactly. Um You know, it's not to say that South Africa doesn't have the correct science in terms of managing our water resource. I mean, South Africa is classified as an an arid country, so we do have issues in terms of, like, collecting water. But there are people, you know, people who have studied hydrology and people who know about water management. I think the issue is that Um, employing these people in these roles where they can also be able to influence like the decision making in terms of water management, um, drainage systems, because our problem is sometimes there are people that are put in these positions and they don't really have that expert knowledge to implement the, the changes that we need to see. How does the society move? I'm looking at the fact that the Eastern Cape province, 74% have access to piped or tapped, tap water, big pardon, in their dwellings off-site or on-site. Limbobo worse, 70%. There isn't one province where every household has access to water. I'm, I'm going to harp on water because it just about predicates all rights. It's a fundamental human rights. It's a, it's a fundamental socioeconomic right. The fact that so many, and of course, when we talk about 70%, the 30% translate into millions. Millions of South Africans have had a hope. It hasn't been delivered. There isn't an adequate explanation as to why that hope, which is a right, has not been delivered. And they are expected not long from now to vote, to vote for more of the same people who have not been able to deliver these basic facility of life? How do we move as a society? Mm. You know, I mean, it's unimaginable because, like you said, water is fundamental. We can't live without it. So the thought that there are communities um, in many provinces, well, in all our provinces that do not have water, it's a harrowing thought. And 
I, I'm also trying to think of an answer because, um, you know, as ministers, local councillors, um, to think that, you know, there are communities in my constituency that do not have water and every year, instead of it getting better, it doesn't improve. I think it's something we, you know, we need to critically engage with these local leaders and say, how are we expected to vote for you if, if we're not seeing any improvements? In fact, things are deterior- deteriorating. So I would say as a suggestion is critically ask, um, you know, we have local elections coming up and IDP processes where um, community members can get involved. So I think we should start with challenging our local leaders and say, how can we give you vote and uh, a vote? And then um, every two years, promises are made, but promises are never delivered. Mm. Yeah. We're going to talk some more about this. Johannesburg 714-2006 is the number to tile, please. Sanitation, an indicator. Toilet facilities, an indicator of discussion. Health, similarly so, more especially in COVID-19 times. Housing types and ownership patterns around that. Tied with that, of course, becomes the land question. Household sources of income, a lot of which has been decimated in the last 10 months as we have had to deal with the ravages of COVID-19 on top of an economy that was by most indicators an ailing one. And of course, living arrangements of children because we know they remain in South Africa a vulnerable community. So there's plenty to talk about, including social grants. We're talking about the health of South African households. You surely belong to a household by your listening to us. And if you don't, it is especially an indictment on this government's progress together with its social partners, including you and I. We all have to take blame and responsibility for that. The question is, how did we get here? And better, how do we get out of this? Your thoughts are welcome. Scully in Durban, good evening. Anonymous in in KZN after that. Scully, good evening. Thanks for calling. Good evening to you, Sengezo. Um, thank you for coming back after the holidays. Thank you. You brought us life. Thank Sengezo, you. water is life, sir. You know, and there's going to be wars fought for water sometime or the other in our lifetime. And, and, and water is life. It's the most, uh, water is life. That says it all. And, you know, it saddens one that a rich country like us, man, you know, with all the infrastructure and everything, and you are the judge now, you named everything that is lacking that concerns water. I, I hope and I pray that there's no more talk, 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 but let's take out politics from, from water issues and concentrate and give life the first priority. Thank you. Beautiful. Have a good year. Thank you so Bye. much, Brother Scully. Much appreciate your love, and I wish you health and happiness for this year. KZN, we're still there. Anonymous, good evening. Good evening to you, Sangazo, and your guest as well. And I must say, you know, we have so many people in authority, but, you know, people are just weak, very weak in thinking. They are in authority, but they are very weak thinkers because they can't think beyond their nose. Let me explain why. Mm. If every home has a water tank, you know, uh, we could use that water for the, for, for the uh, unnecessaries, and we can use the purified water for the necessaries, like, you know, bathing and, you know, washing clothes and uh, yeah. the other things we can use for the garden or we can use to wash up, the, you know, your, your, your floors, your tiles, your whatever, your windows, you know, whatever, your balcony, your patio, you can use rainwater. 
Mm. I use rainwater to wash my windows. I don't use purified water. Mm. I use mm. rain. Wa- I use my washing water to wash my backyard. I recycle water all the time, right? And I was once accused of stealing water. Be- uh, I live alone, and I was once accused of stealing water. And I was uh, told that I had to pay twelve thousand rands at- until I had to go to the court and sort that problem out. But nevertheless, and uh, you, you know, all the people are connecting their water onto the servitude line. It's another way of wasting water because why should rainwater go onto the servitude line? Rainwater should go, be diverted to the river and not to the servitude line. And from the river, it's diverted to the dam where they purify the water and they can give it to us. I'd hate to look past what you are saying or just to assume I understand. What do you mean by servitude line and rainwater? Servitude line is where your, your waste, you know, your WC goes in. Oh, you I know, see. I see. Uh, that's where your waste center. Yes, waste center. yes, yes, yes. yes. Now, now, some water is not allowed to go onto a servitude line because it jams. Now, people are putting grease in there, and, and we've got very few catch pits on our, uh, catchment centers on our roads. Now, what happens, people are diverting the water onto the servitude line because we've got no catchment centers on the road. Mm. The water is supposed to run onto the road via a pipe through everyone's place of residence, and that water then turns into the river. Now, inspectors are not checking all these things. They are putting grease in the center, uh, in, in, they're putting garden refuse inside the servitude line, and we're having a whole lot of problems. Even the roads, we only got four catchments in the whole street. We only got four and four, and then they write in the paper, they write a big article in the paper stating that do not throw dirt in the catchment center. But children are eating on the roads, people are eating, taxis are throwing dirt on the road that is flowing onto onto that uh, catchment centers. I get your passion. And I appreciate your thoughts. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, let's hear the thoughts of Danita on this one. You see, Danita. Let's just stick to water because I suppose the conversations around water will invariably be those of toilet facilities per your report, will be those of sanitation and even the integrity of housing types and ownership patterns there too. When we don't have, I wouldn't even want to use the word coordinated, but when we don't have, excuse the pun, a watertight implementation plan and policy around water, water management, water usage, and water recycling and multiple use thereof, especially of grey water, we then have a multitude of issues that flow from that that unfortunately then become dire. For instance, so many South African households not only do not have water to the extent that they have what little water they have, it becomes a secondary problem of sanitation, the stench, the health hazard that it becomes. There are communities for years have been drenched in their own waste. It just doesn't lend itself to a democracy that can be said to work for people. This is probably alarmist, but it nonetheless is a reality for many South Africans. Yes, yeah, 100% um, agree with you. And even besides the obvious sanitation issue, you know, also like social issues that emanate from, you know, poor sanitation, people having to go further out to, you know, use makeshift facilities, um, young children drowning in um, toilet pits, and even girls and women being more vulnerable to sexual attack, um, physical attacks. So there's a myriad of problems that are coupled with the, the issue of sanitation. And for me, it's just, I don't, again, it's harrowing that, you know, for instance, um, the Northern Cape province, um, they had a 6.1 percentage decrease in um, access to sanitation from 2018 to 2019. I mean, it's 
in the space of just a year alone, I mean, God knows what would have happened by between 2019 to 2020 mm-hmm. when um, we had the lockdown measures in place, a lot of infrastructure projects couldn't take place. So it just makes you think what will come of the 2020 um, general household survey. What can you tell us, and I'm just going to skip a couple of issues here that we could talk about, unfortunately for want of time we cannot, and this is the last question. When we talk about household sources of income, let's launch the conversation to women, that particular conversation as well as that of social grants. How is money operating and circulating in South African homes, and where are women in this entire enterprise? Okay. Um well, in many South African households, you'd find that they do not only depend on one source of income to um, meet their household needs. In fact, it is almost close to impossible because, um, you know, okay, we have a minimum wage of 3.5, but you'd find in many households, you know, there are more, it's more than just one person in that household. So the money that people are earning from their salary alone is not enough to stretch for the entire household. So, of course, they have to get um, money from grants to supplement that primary income and to ensure the needs of the children and other household members are met. Now, just to kind of break down the statistics, you'll find that, you know, the Western Cape and Kauteng, they're provinces where many households largely depend on salaries because that's where you find these are major economic hubs and um, big cities are there. So people, for the most part, are doing relatively well. But when it comes to provinces like the Eastern Cape, Limpopo, and Limpopo, more households depend on grants as opposed to salary. So that comes into question in terms of, um, okay, one, our high levels of unemployment in our adult population, and in the question of women, Women are, are faced with the burden of, you know, using that grant um, in these provinces to um, provide for children. But the grant is not enough. And, you know, in October 2020, um, the, the Minister of Finance made the decision that the additional grant um, would be stopped. So now um, caregivers have gone back to being, have gone back to receiving that 440 rand. Um, to supplement their household, to supplement their household income, and then on top of that, they've lost jobs during this pandemic. So again, they do not have a source of income from their salary. So it's the money from grants that they they primarily depend on to provide for their household. Let's leave it there, Miss Danita mm. Hingston. Researcher Studies in Poverty and Inequality Institute having a conversation with us, which was always going to be truncated given the many issues we could have talked about, but for want of time we could not. SA General Household Survey for 2019, particular slot, the role of women in social reproduction. For your time, Danita, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Songezo, and have a pleasant evening. Thank you, ma'am. You too. After the break, then, ladies and gentlemen, Captain Londi Ngobo, ship navigator, Africa's first female dredge master. It promises to be a wonderful conversation about something which many of us probably have no clue what it is all about.